This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Take two of the Titanic title tussle that heads to the final day concludes on Sunday. In the red corner, Liverpool have their victory parade planned, but how many cups will King Klopp have to display? Coming up, we're previewing the Premier League season's finale, wondering if Steven Gerrard can help deliver the title and plenty more besides. To get into all of that, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, the Echo's chief, Ian Doyle, and the man who always rises to the big occasion, Sean Bradbury. Gents, I trust you're all well. And uh, Gorsty, one point in it. To the final weekend, it goes once more. But this mm. weekend, I suppose, the big thing, what does it mean? What does this weekend represent for Liverpool? Because, of course, they're not in the driving seat, but they can still take the title. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one in that it kind of represents a little bit of a bonus um, it'd be quite the bonus having the Premier League title to win, but Liverpool's season isn't going to live or die by what happens on Sunday afternoon. They've already got two trophies in the bag. I think they've become the fifth, only the fifth team to win the uh, league and FA Cup in the same season. So, judging by any metric, that is a success. So, Liverpool could write off Sunday and go and lose the Champions League final, and you'd still be looking at it thinking. Liverpool have had a really good season. So, in a way, I mean, Klopp kind of said this in his press conference today as well, that the pressure is very much off Liverpool. It's um, more pressure is on City more in terms of they're at home, they're expected to win, they're a point clear. They um, could toss away a 14-point lead going back from January. They have been not in the Champions League and that is the only trophy that they're going for. So, pretty much everything is is on City in terms of pressure-wise. Um, so Liverpool can go into a little bit of a, I mean, not relaxed attitude, but certainly a, a little bit of a a notion where they can go and play with a bit of freedom and, and play the normal game as opposed to being kind of racked by any nerves. And I don't think the, 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 there's going to be any apprehension in the stands, which is always a big kind of turn-off for this Liverpool team. I think if the fans are right up for it, which they will be, then Liverpool normally respond to that. So... Um, I'm expecting there to be a little bit of a carnival atmosphere, if I'm honest, on Sunday. And I think the players will respond to that. Uh, it's just a case of whether Aston Villa can do Liverpool a huge, massive favour, you know, down the other end of the M62. Remains to be seen. But I think if you'd have given Liverpool supporters this back in January or, or even in August, you know, the, the chance to win the title on the last day, they'd have uh, snatched your hand off. So it's in City's hands, of course. But. Um, you know, stranger things have happened on the final day, haven't they? Yeah, Doily, the statistic trotted out during the, the win over Southampton at the weekend, uh, in midweek, sorry, was that on the final day of a Premier League season, the side who have gone in leading have never not been crowned champions at the end of the day. I suppose the, the pessimist of the panel will tell us that, as, as Gorsty said, I suppose it is a bonus, but don't expect too much. No, it's time for a change then, isn't it? Law of Averages suggests that it's time for a change around. I mean, I think, what is it? The, the Arsenal game in 1989 was the last time, yeah. So Liverpool have been on the receiving end of that. So I think it's about time somebody else was on the receiving end. I think I think that's fair enough. What was that, 33 years, 33 years ago? I mean, Guy, you weren't even born then. So, 
you know, so that's how long ago it was. See, Arsenal won something and you weren't there, so unlucky. Um, but yeah, Liverpool, I, I agree with Ghosty. I just think there's no pressure on them whatsoever. I don't think there's been any pressure on them in, in the league for quite some time, to be fair. But you can kind of tell that with the performances, you know, you look at the way that they went behind at Villa, went behind at Southampton and managed to just, you know, went behind against Tottenham as well. All of these games, they've come back and they've got something from it. And that's hardly a team that seems to be struggling with the pressure. If they had no pressure, they'd have just crumbled. And if they felt any pressure, they'd have just crumbled and just and just fallen away. But they've just thought, well, we're here now. We've got this far. So why don't we just see whether we can finish the job off? It's up to City to, you know, they've, they've known for a long time it was up to City to lose points, basically since they drew at City. Since then, they knew that, that City would have to, to lose some points. And <clears throat> they have done. But we didn't really expect Liverpool to win all their games, and they haven't either. So... You know, from that point of view, yeah, there's no real pressure. I think, as Gorsi said, it's a bit of a bonus for them. But it's a bonus that the longer it, it stays goalless or, you know, City don't get the normal early goal. I mean, am I right in saying this? When Liverpool went for it in 2019, did Brighton score first? Yeah. City equalised literally straight away yeah, and were ahead away. by half-time, weren't they? So that kind of just, like, deflated the... The, the, you know the the hope then almost straight away. So the difference here is that obviously you got the Gerard fact, which I'm sure we'll get onto a bit later on. But uh, yeah, for Liverpool themselves, all they can do is just go and enjoy. I'm not entirely sure it'll be quite the carnival experience people think it might be if Liverpool end up not getting the the result and City drop trio <laughs> drop points. That would be a bit frustrating. But I do get the point that certainly going into it for a lot of fans, it'll be the last chance they get to see them this season. Because obviously not many have got a ticket for Paris and they'll want to give them a good send-off and they'll want to say to them, look, thanks a lot for what you've done so far this season. And I know there's the parade as well, which we'll get we'll get onto that as well. So we'll wait and see how many trophies they'll be uh, <clears throat> they'll be carrying around the city, but it'll be at least two, could be more. Yeah, definitely. And, and Sean, I suppose, on the point that, that both, I suppose, Doyley and Gorsty have made there, and Doyley, actually, I think that's been the revelation of this season on the Blood Red podcast, is the optimism that at times... <laughs> We've eked out of Ian Doyle, which is... is do you not there. find, though, do you not find it just <laughs> me being completely contrary as normal? Yeah, just yeah. everybody else yeah, is yeah. like, oh, it's all over. I'm like, no. Nope. But yeah, look, look, I was right. It's still there. They can still win everything. So anyway. You were really be, be, on another be more, I can't be, what it was. Be more like me, I think, is what we've learned from this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really okay, don't. Okay. Everybody yeah. listening, do not be more like me. Thank be you. more Ian Doyle. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Sean, I suppose, as reference, though, 2014, 2019, two home games at, at Anfield, Liverpool went in on the final day of the season, uh, still with a, a mathematical chance of, of getting it done. Is it third time lucky? Are there, with, with Stephen Gerrard at the helm of Aston Villa, are there too many things that we're clutching onto thinking it's a possibility or or genuinely is that optimism within you thinking, yeah, come on, it's time for a change. It, it will happen. Yeah, I think if there's any team, perhaps apart from Real Madrid, say Real Madrid in the Champions League, who you could say is, is fairytale FC, it's, it's Liverpool, isn't it? And, you know, this season proved it. And there's just so many games, so many occasions you can point to and say that that is the case. But Kind of, it's the pressure's totally off Liverpool from January onwards. Liverpool's job was just to keep extending the horizon of the season, wasn't it? And making sure that they could claw the gap back on City, do themselves proud in the other competitions, and just you know put last season to bed. And at the end of this one, when May comes around, be happy with what they've done and how they've responded. And they've done that emphatically. And I almost look at it going into the weekend like Liverpool have put City in a bit of a pincer movement because they've they've won the two cups, which 
you know, City usually win at least one of them, don't they, on their way to uh, some kind of double or whatever. And obviously, in thrilling style, Liverpool knock City out in the semi-finals of one of them, which I think they're still smarting from, as well as their Champions League exit. And and then, you know, you look a bit further down the road and Liverpool have got that security, if you look at it that way, of a Champions League final. So, you know, if things don't happen on Sunday, there's there's something huge to look forward to, you know, only, only days away that we all know, whatever Pep Guardiola might say, is the one that City really want. It's the one that loads of players have in, in his squad still haven't won. He hasn't put his name to it while he's been City manager, you know, haven't won it, had a great record in it previously. Clearly the owners want it as much as Pep says that's not really part of his discussions with them. So, yeah, I kind of think in the build-up to the game and and beyond it, the pressure isn't on Liverpool because the bare minimum, realistically, for City every season is to turn up and win the league, isn't it? You know, that's I think that's their their kind of main aim. And, you know, I can't pretend that Liverpool are paupers or wouldn't have lofty ambitions themselves. But I think you could say Liverpool have already overachieved this season where City are on par. And, and that, that's the key point, And that's why the, the pressure's off. So... Yeah, as you say about Stevie, you never know, do you? And one thing that I'm taking a little bit of heart from is is that I, did, I thought a few weeks ago Villa were looking pretty ragged and, you know, it, it felt like the West Ham game was possibly the only one where you thought City could drop points. But then they've come back a little bit, haven't they? I think they've only lost one of the last six, Villa, and that was to Liverpool. So, you know, it's, it's no real slight on them because that's, that's what a lot of teams have done this season, been defeated by the Reds. So you never know. Yeah, roll on Sunday and let's see what happens. Of course, where would it rank then in terms of Premier League year of kind of the, the ultimate comebacks to, to win the title? As you said, at one point in, in January, mm. 14 points behind. It doesn't feel, and maybe the, the 2019 experience has kind of maybe changed perception of it, but from my feel, obviously, then it was a case of keeping chase with City, keeping on their tails, taking them to the final day. Eventually, they will falter and Liverpool can, can take the lead. It's not really felt like that's been the way. Obviously, Liverpool have played ahead of of City a number of times during this running. But when you do sit back and look at it and you see how imperious this City side have been now over five years and more, to catch them after being 14 points behind surely would have to rank as one of the best comebacks. Yeah, you'd have to say so, wouldn't you? I mean, and Guardiola would kind of caveat that, wouldn't he? I think he said it was a, a fake fake lead or something, didn't he, a few weeks ago? Because the 14 points was, I can't remember exactly, but I think City won on a Saturday and Liverpool were playing on the Sunday. So, you know, they, I think Liverpool won and clawed that back to 11. But certainly since um, since that Chelsea draw at the beginning of the year, 2nd of January, I think it was, me and Dougie were at Stamford Bridge. I think that put Liverpool 11 behind, was it, at the time? And we were on the car back and we were thinking, well, the league's looking like it's it's going to be done. Your Champions League's not back for another six weeks. The Carabao Cup, with respect to it, is not the the loftiest of ambitions. The FA Cup hadn't even started, so there, there wasn't too much optimism flying around at the turn of the year. And then slowly but surely, Liverpool have just dug in, carried on winning. Um, and City haven't really. It, it's strange, really, because it sounds like a massive collapse, but they've. They drew with Southampton, they drew with Palace, they got beat by Spurs, and they drew with West Ham. So it's not they're not massively big kind of alarm bells ringing, are they? If you look at them, those results alone since the turn of the year, it's just that how relentless Liverpool have been. So it'll be kind of put across um, to an extent that City will have capitulated if Liverpool are champions, but I think there'll have to be a certain amount of. Um, acknowledgement from from the wider kind of media, be like the 
this has been a, a comeback of epic proportions, really, for, from Liverpool's perspective. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just it's just fascinating knowing that Liverpool go into it in this kind of carefree, relaxed manner that they've already got the security of the, the double, the Champions League to come after it, and then whatever happens on on Sunday will be. Uh, and I kind of got that feeling today from from Jurgen Klopp in his, in his press conference. He was kind of saying that the, the pressure is on Liverpool, and he wasn't playing mind games or anything like that. He said if the pressure's on City, we don't know because we're not in the camp. But as far as we're concerned, we're just playing same way we have because we've had to win every game to, to get us to this point and we've got to win again so there's no change really and, and I think that will be the message on uh, in the dressing room on Sunday The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Yeah, it's been a season really to, to celebrate the strength that Liverpool have now created and got for, for years we've we've sat on this podcast and spoken about City how they've two players in every position who cost £40 million this that and the other and that's been a big issue but we spoke during the Carabao Cup run and after the final of how that was a trophy really to celebrate the depth of the squad I suppose at Southampton in midweek. Equally, that was the case. You see the likes of Harvey Elliott coming back into the side, Takumi Minamino coming into the side as well, giving some of the players a, a much-needed rest and, and able to still keep on the, the, the tails of City. Well, it helps when you're coming into a team that's just won the FA Cup and he's second in the league and has got a Champions League final coming in. So if you can't play well in a team like that, then I suspect there's not much down for you, certainly at that, at that level. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool had to make the changes, didn't they? And the uh, overall, yeah, I think, let's not forget that it was only three years ago Liverpool won the Champions League, having taken more points that they're going to end up with this season. So they have had a strength in depth. And I know people will point to the FA Cup and League Cup that season and not do particularly well. But, you know, with with those kind of competitions, you need a certain amount of, you know, fortune. Klopp said it fortune with the draws. Certainly in the FA Cup, Liverpool had some good draws until he got to the quarterfinals. And even then it was a tricky, you know, okay, it was, it was still a championship team away from home. And they had to overcome City in a, in a one-off game in a neutral venue, and the same with Chelsea. So you'd have, you'd have settled for that rather than having to go to City or or Chelsea trying to win. And in the League Cup, when they did get a hard game against Arsenal, they had two goals at it because it was uh, two legs. So I think in that sense, that helped. But then having said that in the Champions League, I don't think the draws have been particularly easy. Certainly if you look at the you know the calibre of the names, look at they played Inter Milan and AC Milan, who are going to be both be fighting for the Italian league on the final day. They played the Spanish champions in Atletico Madrid, who admittedly this season, overall this season, haven't been particularly great, but still nearly knocked out uh, Man City in the quarterfinals, wasn't it? Was it the quarterfinals? Yeah, quarterfinals. Um, they, they played Villarreal, who beat Bayern Munich and Juventus. You know, so And they won the Europa League last season. Let's not forget that. So in the, in, in the actual Champions League, the... the you know, the games haven't been particularly easy. Liverpool just made them look easy. And uh, in the league itself, but what's interesting for me in the league is that if you look at Liverpool, drew twice with City, drew twice with Chelsea, drew twice with, drew, drew twice, sorry, with Tottenham. So they haven't actually beaten in the league any of the teams in the top three, but they didn't lose. And I know in 2019, when Liverpool lost the league, ultimately it was the scores between Man City and, and Liverpool that made the difference. I think Liverpool don't win it this year, it'll be the fact that they couldn't beat Chelsea, I think, because City beat them home and away, and that's ultimately going to be the difference. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the strength and depth, you can't play... Where are they going to end up playing? Is it 63 in the end? Yeah. You can't end up playing 63 games, playing every game in every single competition, and it being what? May the 20th, it'll be May the 22nd, the final day of the Premier League season, and it'll be 
it could even be something like, in fact, what time is kickoff? Is it four o'clock? Is it four o'clock? Yeah. So it could, yeah. you could even be looking at it. it could still be half five, and it's still not decided. You know, you're taking it to that, that you know, that far into the season. I mean, in my head, it feels like it was only two minutes ago. Me and Ghosty were at Norwich for the opening game of the season and being made up. There was actually other people there watching with us. So, you know, that in that sense, I do think it's been an unprecedented season. The word unprecedented, we've been writing a lot in the last couple of years, haven't we? Because it was like, oh, the unprecedented coronavirus restrictions, then the unprecedented, there's no fans in. And then now we've got the unprecedented, oh, they're all back and Liverpool going for the quadruple. So it has been a very strange couple of years in the sense that we've never really seen anything like this before. And no matter what happens, it's an interesting debate, isn't it? How good is this Liverpool team? Because are they one of the best Liverpool teams ever? You wouldn't say the 2001 one was because they were nowhere near winning the league. Uh, they didn't win the Champions League. They won the UEFA Cup. But in comparison to, you know, this Liverpool team, in comparison to some of the best ones, they're going to end up with a points tally that's the only team, Liverpool team that's ever, you know, better this points tally is themselves in the, when they won it and then when they came close against City. So they're up against themselves in that regard. They could win a Champions League, which they've already won already. They won three years ago. We're talking about the main, you know, body of this team, this squad. So what's your answer? Well, this is my point. And then they've won on top of that, they've won the FA Cup and the, the League Cup. So the argument will be, is it the best team? And we won't know that until May the 28th. But the argument of is this the best squad that's ever been for Liverpool? I think that's you know easily the best squad, easily the best squad of players that they've ever had. And they've managed to somehow in the in the process of halfway through the season make it even better by signing by signing Luis Diaz and bringing through you know, you look at Canati's progress that he's made and, you know, I know Harvey Elliott's not played much this season because of his injury, but he's another one that, that, that's, you know, when he's been called upon, he's done well. I mean, people forget Harvey Elliott came on in the League Cup final and he played for about 40 minutes and scored a penalty. So, and he was in goal that day. It was Keller who was in goal. So it, it, it is like, it's like every single player in that squad. Even if you look at Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who hasn't been anywhere near the team, couldn't get in the team on uh, on Tuesday at Southampton. Didn't get off the bench either, I'm pretty sure. Did he, he didn't come on, did he? Was he even on the bench? Mm-hmm. No, <clears throat> didn't come on. But when Salah went off to the African Cup of Nations, he stepped in on that right wing and scored, was it against Brentford, against Crystal Palace in the two oh, games sure. that sat, yeah, in the, when Salah wasn't there. And that helped Liverpool. That was the start of that run where, as Gorsi said earlier, they, they, they'd kind of done that reset, hadn't they? Milner spoke about it, didn't he, the other day? He said we had, we had a reset after that draw at Chelsea. And then, right, we just have to do things differently. And what's been interesting about that is that since then, Liverpool haven't conceded many goals, but they haven't scored loads. They haven't, like, knocked over teams like they were earlier in the season. You know, you, you, they weren't winning. Well, they won 5 0 at Watford and Man United in successive weeks, won 4 1 at Everton. But you, you couldn't really... That's why I was quite glad it didn't get down to goal difference because people were talking about, oh, they need to get nine at Stamford. I was thinking, well, one nil would do. You know, they're never going to score nine. When was the last time they did anything like that? Leeds. And then, you know, Leeds sat the manager not long after that. We've seen that they're probably going to get relegated now anyway. So, you know, I think, yeah, I've talked myself into the best squad and we'll know purely on the basis of what they actually win, the best team. Although having said that, the best team I've ever, I've ever seen from Liverpool is 1988. And they only won, well, I say only, but they only won the league. They obviously weren't in Europe. They lost an FA Cup final and got knocked out of the League Cup fairly early on. So, 
Yeah, okay. So we got to the point eventually on that that Liverpool maybe this is the, the, the greatest. <laughs> was there a point? Was there a point? Yeah, no, we're not really going to talk too much about the Southampton win off the, off the back of that. But Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard. I mean, you said before, is it third time lucky? The the kind of stars aligning. Steven Gerrard, of course, wasn't able to win a trophy, a Premier League trophy, as a player for the Reds. Could play a huge, huge part in it. How much confidence do you have then in in him to? to hold up his end of the bargain. Of course, it's just getting City to drop points. You throw into the mix as well. Villa played last night against the Burnley side fighting for their lives and, and Villa in that game were giving it all they had until the 90th minute. Yeah, I, I think it, it was interesting. I know Gerard. we've just carried a piece on the Echo website this afternoon where Gerard's kind of hitting back at any suggestions that there was integrity issues with his team selection last night. But I did, when the, the team news dropped and Coutinho and Ings were on the bench and I think they both came on with... 10, 15 minutes to go, you know, so they got to run out. But I did think, well, that's quite nice for Liverpool, isn't it? Because you've got two familiar faces who you know can do a bit of damage and attack who are essentially going to be rested in, until the weekend. And, you know, obviously Villa would have been disappointed just to get a point there. But Gerard was quite forceful in the sense of, you know, saying it, it had nothing to do with the weekend. But I think you can certainly say that that, that does benefit Liverpool. I, I don't know. I think it's... It's interesting at the weekend, there was um, some quotes from Henderson recently. I think this might have been him talking after the Saints game where he was looking back at that Brighton game, the one where they went 1-0 up while Liverpool were playing Wolves in 2019. And he was saying like around the crowd, you could you knew inside Anfield that Brighton were 1-0 up and that, that made things a little bit hard to concentrate. I, I just think Liverpool, all they've got to do on Sunday is worry about themselves. And, and I would also, I would go as far as to say, maybe try and have that opposite impact of what, Henderson was talking about there. If Liverpool can start well, and you know, I think it'll be a tall order to, for Liverpool to score before City score because it, it feels like City score after four minutes of virtually every game they play nowadays, doesn't it? But I think if Liverpool can get that first goal and really come out the blocks against Wolves, which we've just seen City do, haven't we? I mean, City were three one up against Wolves after like twenty five minutes weren't they, the, the, the other day. So I think Wolves are there to be got at. But I, I like the idea of that Liverpool starting well and the message filtering through to to Man City and then seeing what Steven Gerrard could do. So, I, I don't know. Some, someone I follow on Twitter the other day said they sat bolt upright in the middle of the night and had the most vivid dream they've ever had that uh, Coutinho stepped up in the 86th minute to bang a free kick in to put Villa 2-1 up and he's put a bit of money on it. So, that'll do for me. Uh, if, if, if that comes true, that'll, uh, that'll make me happy on Sunday. Gorsley, what are your confidence levels then of, of Stephen Gerrard or Philippe Coutinho being the man? Sean, I thought we were going to get through a pod there without mentioning Coutinho that you came on, but of <laughs> course, that would oh, no. breaking all rules. Yeah. He's the main man on Sunday, and always. <laughs> Gorsley, what's your take? Uh, I mean, I think City have only lost twice at home this season. Uh, Palace in the early going and, and obviously that crazy game against Spurs in February, so I mean, you're asking a lot for another home defeat. But, um, as I say, crazier things have happened. That's why I haven't been saying for months that I don't think Liverpool will win the league just because you just you, you just never know, do you? In terms of as Liverpool were closing that gap and it got smaller and smaller, you never want to completely refuse to just dismiss it. So, um it's a nice romantic story that Steven Gerrard goes to the Etihad and does the business for Liverpool. But I think he's getting sick of, of that narrative at the moment, judging by his comments that have come out this afternoon. Um, 
But it was interesting they did rest Danny Ings and Coutinho last night for that game against Burnley. Obviously, the one-all draw. Um, maybe keeping his, his creative guns fresh for uh, for the Etihad on Sunday. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to Villa, does it? And I admire the the, the attempt from him to, to say that he's, he's going there to get three points for Villa and maybe boost him up the league a little bit for, in terms of potential, you know, the, the money that you earn from certain places. But um, I think deep down... Even though he hasn't overtly said that he'll be going there, thinking he wants to do the business for uh, for Liverpool, I'm sure. Yeah, it's that time of the season where mid-table managers all, all notify us that every point in every place is worth every place up is worth two million pounds more, and maybe that part of their, their transfer kitty. But we'll have to, to, I suppose, kind of wait and see on that. But doily, surely that the, the fear is, whilst yes, Aston Villa have some very good offensive players defensively, really. Can they keep City at bay? I mean, City surely are just going to have all the ball and, and look to suffocate them with it and and just rack up the goals. But Stephen Gerrard, as he's as Gorsley said, there is quite rightly kind of been trying not to talk too much about Liverpool. Albeit Henderson said after Southampton, he'll be giving him a call. Jurgen Klopp said he hasn't. He's probably had to put his phone on on do not disturb to all Liverpool numbers, hasn't he? Um, yeah, not, although there are mobile phones, I'm not sure they work like that. I think I, you know. Area codes don't come up on mobiles. Not sure. It's it's twenty twenty two now. Um, yeah, I think. What was the question? Sorry, I've just been I've completely sidetracked by what you just said. Then, just in terms of the fact that are are Villa going to be defensively strong? Oh yeah, I mean Aston Villa are terrible defensively, aren't they? Let's be perfectly honest. I mean yeah. Tyrone Mings has got a mistake in nearly every game he plays. He gave Liverpool basically their equaliser by not being able to, to kick a ball. I mean that's just you know. That's the kind of level that Aston Villa are at at the moment. And without, again, not going to turn this into an Aston Villa podcast, but I wouldn't be surprised if they decide one or two centre backs in the summer if they possibly could. We know that, you know, <clears throat> there's one that we know that we cover at plays for Liverpool. I, I'm pretty sure if they could, they'd, they'd try and buy. I'm not sure that's going to be happening like. But anyway, yeah, I think Liverpool just have to forget the Man City game. Just forget it. It's, it's Liverpool just have to know that they have to beat Wolves. That's it. They just have to beat Wolves. That's all they can do. Don't bother about anything else because the worst thing that could happen is that Aston, uh, Aston Villa takes some points off City and Liverpool don't beat Wolves because then they've only got themselves to blame and you're only blaming themselves over a title race where they've actually technically not been ahead in terms of games played since when? October? I mean, how can they be blamed for not winning that? So that's that's why they need to just make sure they beat Wolves and that's all that can be the that can be their concern. And anything else that happens, they'll just find out eventually whether it's you know, from the reactions of the crowd or the reactions of James Pearce in the press box, you know, anything like that, you know, because, we, you know, he's going to be like, uh, Villa score a goal. Um, so, yeah, I'm not entirely sure I see uh, a certain former Liverpool midfielder who is Brazilian and now plays for Aston Villa, having previously played for Barcelona and on loan at Bayern Munich, scoring a, a, a goal in the top corner in the last minute, certainly. But that would be quite funny. And would justify the endless stories on Coutinho that the, will then appear on the Echo website, which for some reason a lot of our people who put the pages together seem to really like. Yeah, well, a lot of the people reading the stories seem to absolutely adore that. Well, I wouldn't be so sure on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if he does, if he does not want it, I suspect there will be one or two stories written about him, um, and he'll right. say, "Well, that wasn't quite worth 142 million, but etc." Yeah, no, you uh, you mentioned James Pearce. Uh, I think he's probably hoping maybe Matt Law 
isn't going to be in the Anfield press box. Given yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that was. Uh, I don't think it was in reference to him, though. I think it was in reference to one of his uh, Leeds United following associates. Yes, certainly. Anyway, let's move on from that. And uh, well, Sean, I suppose then, if if Liverpool can't win the Premier League or are expecting City to to hold up their end of the bargain, the Champions League final is that the the priority or is that the consolation? Well, I think I think from here on in it it is the priority, um, and you know I, I suppose you could look back at the Saints team selection and say maybe that was built in a little bit, albeit obviously that was minutes in the legs from Wembley was factored in too. I think it'll be very interesting just to see who comes in at the weekend in terms of the guys who were, who were on the sidelines in midweek and were struggling after Wembley, and that'll give you a little bit of a pointer. But to be honest, I, I almost think it's it's kind of prioritising from here obviously there's only two games left as Doidy just said you've just got to aim to win and beat Wolves that's got to be the mentality going into it but I think going back to what you guys said before about how much it's been a squad game and how successfully Liverpool have managed to play that game this season you know it, it kind of doesn't really matter at this point I mean the last two games for me have just summed up how vast the depth is in this squad it's almost like there's two two whole layers to it because you know Wembley itself you obviously saw people coming off, unfortunately, you know, like Salah and people stepping in. Diaz was man of the match. Simicast came on and scored the pen. Milner was brilliant, you know, bossed it for an hour. Uh, but then, you know, you throw it forward to Saints and it was it was almost kind of like another rung of players underneath that, wasn't it? You know, and like Minamino comes in and I think I saw a stat saying Minamino has scored 10 goals from 11 shots on target for Liverpool this season, which is just, you know, a- absolutely ridiculous. And I think it was quite telling after that game, the way Klopp spoke quite emotionally about the likes of Minamino and Oxlade-Chamberlain, didn't he say it was criminal that Minamino hasn't had more opportunities and, you know, he was kind of similarly expressing those kind of sentiments about Ox as well. So, yeah, I, I think I almost thought that gave the game away a little bit about about the next two games. It feels like Southampton was perhaps the last time we've seen, not necessarily some of those players in a Liverpool shirt, but that could well be the case. But perhaps the last time we've seen like that that layer of the squad, if you like, for the rest of the season, unless, you know, injury dictates that they might have to come in because, you know, the Champions League final is obviously a, a, a huge one that the best possible team is going to be put out for. But Klopp was talking in the press conference today about, you know, the need for rhythm and getting minutes in certain players' legs on Sunday. And I think that, that ultimately will determine it, won't it? Because you can't really have players who haven't played for two weeks going into a Champions League final. You know, if players missed Southampton and they then go on to miss Wolves, that's not the ideal preparation, is it, for, for Paris? So, yeah, I think we'll see see a strong team on Sunday. We'll come on, obviously, to our selections. And there's only, you know, a, a few doubts. But I almost feel that there won't be that much difference in the team selection on Sunday as there will be for Paris. And, you know, that that speaks as well to the prioritisation of both games. It's, it's just a case of win them both and see what happens. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So this week, Gorsley, the, the parade was uh, confirmed as well that will be happening the day after the, the Champions League final as well. How big is it to, to celebrate this season that Liverpool do get one of these these big ones on the bus that they can parade around? I mean, Jurgen Klopp's been quick to, to say that's not really how we should rate and rank seasons. I mean, it has been a season mm-hmm. for, for the ages for Liverpool, regardless of what trophies are on that bus. But surely it would be kind of the, the, the crowning glory for it. And going back to, to what Doyle said before, it would maybe coronate this team as the greatest Liverpool side, should they have the, the Champions League trophy on that bus. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I completely get what he means when he says stuff like that because when Liverpool beat Man United 5-0 at Old Trafford in October or they beat Everton 4-1 in December, I don't think any fan was thinking, oh, well, well, I can't celebrate this properly. You've got to wait and see what, what trophies they win. And that's not really how, how football fandom works, is it? So I can certainly um, sympathise with, with that viewpoint. And to be honest, I think um, it kind of extends to, uh, you know, across Stanley Park and looking at the Everton celebrations last night. I've seen so many people kind of talking down the celebrations that they've seen there. But, you know, they've just gone through a utterly miserable season and, and they've they've stayed up. So it's something to celebrate, something to grasp. And I don't think, um, you know, football fans should be told to wait. You know, if, if, if something happens that's worth celebrating, then celebrate it as, as much as you see fit. And obviously... Silverware does define your, your legacy in terms of the wider how how our team or a squad is, is viewed in the history of, of football. But while you while you're in the here and now as fans, I don't think they should have any kind of apprehension and celebrating whatever happens. But um, it would be great for Liverpool to add uh, a Premier League and or a Champions League to what they've already achieved, just because I think this group of players. Deserves it to be honest. It's been an, an incredible season, and Doyle's just been speaking there about how he thinks it's the best Liverpool squad of all time. And and to be in that kind of conversation, I think this group of players just needs a little bit more just to just to have it in the back pocket. They've now you know officially won everything there is to win over the last three years. But imagine if they went and won the quadruple. You, you, you know you'd be talking about possibly the the greatest team that there's ever been in, in English football because it's never been done before and, and for a, a very good reason. So um, I think whatever happens, the, the parade's going to be incredible, you know, celebrating a league and FA Cup double and then we'll just see what whatever's added to it. Um, and, you know, if they do win the quadruple, then there's going to be, I'd suggest, probably close to a million people on the city streets on the on May the 29th because there was around about 750,000 for the... Um, for the Champions League and, and Liverpool supporters weren't able to celebrate the Premier League worthy. So you've also got the, the followers who support the women's team because they're obviously there celebrating as well. And it's just going to be a little bit of a, a festival, really, isn't it? Whatever happens. So, uh, yeah, that'll be a, a memorable day for them. But if they can add one or two more to the to the pot between them, then you're looking at one of the, uh, the all-time great days for the club, really. Yeah, and to set that up, the quadruple, they need to beat Wolves and land the Premier League title. So let's get to our team and pick the side for the final Premier League game of the season. Wolves heading to Anfield, four o'clock kickoff. Can the Reds win the Premier League title? Well, this is the 11 we're going to pick for the game. I'll start us off with Alison Becker in goal. Doily, back four. Um, before we go any further, can I just pick up Sean Bradbury, who's obviously heading off. If anybody can see on on YouTube, he's off heading off to Manchester Airport after this to help. Flight simulator. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. To bring some. I'm, bring some I'm, I'm getting us all to Paris, lads. <laughs> Get out of the little plane. Um, Southampton are not saints. We do not regard them as saints. There's only one saint on Merseyside, and we know who that is Sean. So the like the South Coast outfit. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, yeah. The, the Saint Mary side. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, the defence. Well, I actually think it'll be a bit of a mixture. Uh, I think Simicast will play. There's no point in 
Tyron Robertson any further. And Simicast did well by all accounts at Southampton. He, uh, you know, he's on a bit of a high at the moment for obvious reasons after what happened in the FA Cup final. So he's playing. They get Trent back in there at right back. Uh, if Van Dijk is fit, I think he has to play purely on the, you know, just for a bit of reassurance for himself more than anything else. And um, and I'd also put play Matip as well. So that would be Matip, Matip and Van Dijk at centre back with Simicast and Trent. What do you make of that, Gorsty? Um, no, I can see I can see Robertson coming back in. Um, I think it's just a bit of a precaution, wasn't it? Because he's, he's played so much football while he was rested on Tuesday. Um, yeah, it, it's so fun, isn't it, with, with Van Dijk? Because Klopp's been non-committal on him, um, even today. So... I think let's err on the side of caution and say that he's not going to be fit and, and play um, Matip and Canate. Okay, Sean, casting vote for yourself. Yeah, I, I think, as I said before, I think this will be pretty strong. I think, well, bo- both Trent and Robertson were in the squad for Saints, were they? Oh, Southampton, um, uh, <laughs> looking back. So I, I think I think both of them will start if, if, if they can, you know, if Robbo's okay, as, as the lads have just said, just on the basis of, I'd be very surprised if anyone wants to or, or even Klopp wants people to go two weeks without any kind of level of football and obviously hasn't got many subs to play with. So I'd go with those two. I'd go with Kanate because I would probably play Matip in the Champions League final alongside Van Dijk, again, with the caveat, as, as the lads have said, if he's if he's ready to go. Don't okay. forget, Robertson didn't play against Aston Villa, did he? So he's missed two of the last three games and the game in between he went off with cramp. So I just don't think he's going to risk him. Okay, let's wait and see how, how how it does play out. Sean, stay with you for the midfield. Uh, this is tricky, isn't it? Because again, the, the Fabinho situation is, is tough to judge. I think this will be a bit of a mix. And and again, I'm, my starting point is Champions League final team. And I think I think that'll be Fabinho, Keita, Thiago. So for this one, I'd have Henderson in the holding role. Don't think you need to start Fabinho here. You can, hopefully, if, if he's in a position to have half an hour, which Klopp did kind of suggest in the presser, some of the guys on the sidelines, he'd be looking to do that. So, yeah, Henderson holding. I'd start Thiago again. Uh, there is an argument to kind of keep him wrapped up in cotton wool, isn't it, until Paris. But, but again, I think he'd just want an hour here at, at least. And I'd probably, I'd probably go with Elliot as my third one and, and then just keep keep Cater until you unleash him against Madrid. So, yeah, Henderson, Elliot, Thiago for me. Okay, what would you make of that, Gorsty? Um... Yeah, I, I can see, I can see the, the thought process for that. Um, but I can also see Jones starting possibly ahead of Elliot. Uh, it's good to see him back on the team on Tuesday, sixty odd minutes. But I just think Jones has, has played a fair bit more, hasn't he? So I think um, we might be seeing Jones next to Henderson and, and Thiago. Okay, Doyle, what do you reckon? Um, I think it'll be Henderson. Fabinho won't play. I play Thiago and I play Cater. Um, simply because he probably again he he didn't play did he come for up five minutes at the but on Southampton. Not sure did he come on? I think he did, didn't he? Um anyone? Did he come on against Southampton, Gorsley? Cater? Cater, oh god. Um <laughs> that many games. No, I, I don't think he did actually, no. Oh well, never mind. Uh well he uh he, he's gonna play anyway, so it's irrelevant. Uh, I'm picking it. Yeah, he did, he came on for seven minutes. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah, so he's he's due a start. Right, okay. Uh forward line then, Gorsley, you can you can lead us on this. 
Um, I think Firmino down the middle. I think Diaz might come back. Um, see, the issue you've got is if you want Mane and Diaz in, in the same team, but if you're playing Firmino, I think Liverpool lack a bit of proper cover on on that right side. You know, they've got loads on the left, but not too many can do it off the right. And Diaz not play off the right though. So I've, I've thought when he, he has played many times, there's so much better now. Be off the left, Mane. Jota, Diaz, all down the left as opposed to the right. Um, I'll play Diaz on the right. I'll go Mane on the left and Firmino down the middle. Okay, Sean? Yeah, it really is tricky, isn't it? Especially given how well Firmino played at Southampton. thought he was fantastic. Like, the best and kind of quickest he's, he's been for a good while. But I, I would go Mane down the middle, Diaz on the left, and I'll cheat slightly by saying Salah. Would will start because as much as Klopp was talking about you know Son and the whole Golden Boot race and all that type of thing, I, again there's a rhythm point, isn't there? If if he's if he's okay and he can get an hour, and it would be great if he could come on and get a goal and and, and you know take that to Paris to hopefully get his revenge on Madrid. You know that, that that's all factored into it, and I do think as well as 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 things are still kind of going on in the background with, with regards to his contract you know I'm not saying you have to you have to you have to pick him to keep him happy that's obviously not how the club and how Klopp would operate but you know if he could come on and get a goal and get his golden boot which you know he does value which he's got every right to I think that could go a long way so yeah I'd, I'd start him here if possible What do you think of that Doily? Um, Mane down the middle um, Jota on the left I think Jota's been quite good the last couple of games I've seen him play when he had a long spell of Scoring the odd goal, but not really contributing overall. I think he's been decent. Got another assist, didn't he, in midweek? Um, and I put the yeah, Diaz on the right. Don't think Salah will, will be in for this one. Might come on second half just to give him half an hour. We are, of course, in the time of only three subs, not five. So, bonus team selector edition today. When does Steve Okarigi appear? At the end of the game, after it's finished... Well, you don't think he gets on the pitch? I think if um, comfortably winning, he might. But yeah, it is a tough one, isn't it? Because if if they've got to give minutes to players who need a little bit of rhythm, and if you've got Salah and Fabinho on the bench, you can see them coming on. So if it's going okay, and them two come on and everything's gone fine, then yeah, bring him up for the last ten minutes to get his get the late winner that wins in the league. So he's, he's not he's not starting and pre-planned twenty seventh minute substitution carry him off and off the <laughs> imagine that imagine that in the middle of this title race just go yeah let's make a concession for this yeah let's do that. <laughs> Jack, you play Sean? No, I'd give him the armband though, even if he sat on the bench. Just let him <laughs> let, let, let him be the main man for the day, as he always is. Yeah, make it make it a throne, not just a, a chair in the dugout. Make it a throne for King Devok to sit on. Anyway, right, that's the team. Prediction, then. What's the score going to be? Gorsley, you can kick us off. I, I think it'll ultimately be quite comfortable. Uh, we know Wolves are generally decent defending, quite okay on counter-attack, but I think Liverpool will be too strong for them, even with one or two uh, resting up for Paris 2-0. Sean? Yeah, I've got, to, I've got to copy that. 2 0 was in my head, so I will I will agree with Ghosty. Doily? I'll go with 3 1. And if, if matters aren't going so well, I think Connor Cody will just blast one into his own net. He won't really. <laughs> he won't really, by the way. That's a joke. And, he, anyone absolutely. Take it, he absolutely would not do that. But sorry. Are Liverpool going to win the title then? Anybody want to take that one? Or are we? I'll take it. Go on then. No. 
Yeah, there we go. The true pessimist comes out by the end of the episode. That is what we all spoken about. How rubbish Aston Villa are. So you know what I mean. Defensively, I mean, defensively. I mean, imagine. Okay, we'll ask you this question then, guy. You've got you're you're a neutral observer. You know. Okay, you might have some slight leanings towards possibly Liverpool because you you cover the club a little bit on this podcast. But who do you think is going to win the league and why? Manchester City because they're at home, aren't they? Oh, you can't say that, guy, on a Liverpool podcast. They're a more inferior side. I mean, I I, I would like Liverpool to win it because, of course, everyone in the media supports Liverpool. But (laughs) being realistic, I I, I do agree. I think it's, I think it's, um, yeah, it maybe it maybe won't happen. But if it does, that'll only add, I suppose, to the atmosphere that will be inside Anfield, which both jointly and who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? Yeah, I want Liverpool to win because the media supports Liverpool. That's not an answer. That's a, that's a, that, no, what's the, what's the actual answer? From a football supporter point of view, as somebody who obviously is formerly used to, you know, your team used to be quite good and used to win stuff. I want the now, team. Now you're, looking at, now you're looking at a team that's historically been a rival in Liverpool yeah. and a team that's come in the last 10 years, which I'd assume Newcastle are going to be like this in like five or six years. I mean, who loses to Newcastle? At the, oh, yeah, sorry. But, yeah, which, 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 which who do you want to win and why? Uh, I would like for Sporting Integrity, the team who gets the most points over the course of the campaign. So whoever that may be, that will be the side who wins the title. Anyway, make sure you stick glued to the Echoes coverage as well as us here on Blood Red for all the going-ons on Sunday afternoon, all the build-up to it, all the reaction, of course, and of course into next week, the build-up ahead of the Champions League final and a very, very special podcast to come your way on Monday afternoon here on Blood Red. But from myself, Guy Clark, Paul Gore, Stian Doyle and Sean Bradbury, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.